Welcome to We Think, We Talk, sponsored by Select Care Pharmacy, a pharmacy that is non-retail but that services the smallest of group homes to the largest of skilled nursing facilities with prompt attention and care and world-class customer service. All right, welcome back to We Think, We Talk. Uh, I am glad to have at the table. We have a wonderful series that we're going to continue I have Todd Johnson from Wren Hospice, uh, pastor, uh, and certainly appreciate you coming on such a short notice. We had uh, a little schedule flip that I had to make and uh, reached out to my good buddy, Jerry Caitlin Pageant, and uh, she said, let me see what I can do to help you out, and uh, she made it happen, so I appreciate you being here. We are glad to be here. Yeah, Wren, uh, for a lot of you guys that don't know, I've had several people on Wren. Jerry Caitlin's certainly been a guest, uh, a good buddy of mine. Uh, we talked about leadership and different things of that nature. But uh, I've worked for the last 20 years uh, dealing with different parts of Wren with p- people coming through our hospice and with ALFs and skilled. And uh, you guys do an amazing job always. And Thank you. We appreciate it. And it's not just with the patient. Uh, you guys do an amazing job with the family and um, even, you know, pre-death and even aftercare, post-death. And, Absolutely. And that's important. And that kind of that kind of brings us in a little bit. Before I get into our episode, which is on grief, is what we're going to be talking about today. And me and you chatted about that just a moment. Uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself with Ren. Okay. I am one of the spiritual care coordinators, one of the chaplains. And have been doing this role for 20 plus years, and it's very much part of my life and identity as an individual, but Mm -hmm. uh, very grateful to serve the Wren team, and uh, they are tremendous people committed to the vision and purpose in which they carry out their work, and so it is an honor to be a part of this time to talk about something that's close to my heart, and that is grief. Yes. As I have helped families and individuals uh, who are facing death over the past 20 years mm-hmm. and the 30 years as a minister. Right. Uh, being also a local pastor at Pleasant Grove Baptist Church. Yes. Yes. And, uh, and Jerry Caitlin was telling me that as well. Yeah. And, and that even brings it, you know, kind of more home. You know, you're, you, unfortunately, you have to, in two professional ways, mm-hmm. you know, you deal with the community and, it's not always uh, pleasant. It's not no. always the best time of their life. I mean, you do get the opportunity and the wonderful, um, you know, honor of marrying some folks and uh, and baptizing some folks, and those are the honors we see. But the the, the real thing that we see day to day, in and out, absolutely. Um, and and you mentioned it as we were kind of coming in the door before microphone checks were being started. You know. You know, um, and especially the last couple of years with all that's went on with the pandemic and things of that nature, uh, the word grief, that is that is a really hard to find word right now. Um, you know, and I had to I had to do an episode on it to to kind of find a start on this and start working on it for everybody, because grief is not only for for the older generation uh, of passing away. This goes uh, to our young population all the way through our life, this word grief. Uh, Absolutely. And I think that for the struggles we have faced through this pandemic and how our lives have been altered and changed, the reality of grief for a younger generation, you know, uh, we have had this 
before us now for several years. And as a result of that, I have listened to individuals express their, you know, their denial and that come through in various forms, whether they realize that or not, and making them aware of what they're feeling, the anxieties and being overwhelmed, uh, you know, sort of has allowed individuals to take grief from a perspective of just being with death, just being with those who are elderly, with changes in their life, to understanding how grief touches every aspect of our, our lives, whether it is with COVID and this pandemic or whether it is with losing a job, mm-hmm. uh, changes within our marriages and our homes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we grieve. We grieve. And you know something, Pastor Johnson, I didn't think of till you kind of just said it this way, but... I guess I've taken for granted uh, myself always being older. You know, we forget about us growing up. Eventually that goes to the wayside. We'll have some sweet memories of us doing something as children, but we primarily our brain is now focused on our adult world that we've lived in for a long time. And I guess it would be difficult with you trying to help someone that's having these feelings, but they don't know what those feelings are. And explaining those feelings to them. I, I go back to a situation with my son. Mm-hmm. Well, my son transitioned from high school to the college experience mm. into the military. Wow. With each one of those transition in his young adult life, there were anxieties. Sometimes there were fears. And I remember an occasion where he was not coping appropriately and acting out Mm -hmm. in ways that uh, was not beneficial, Mm -hmm. you know, to him being productive and making those transitions successfully and us talking, you know, having a conversation uh, about those behaviors and him understanding that it actually was a form of, you know, grieving those teenage years, putting adolescence in the past Mm -hmm. and making transitions. And so, you know, uh, every age group, whether they realize it or not, uh, with different stages in our life, we face grief. Well, it's so funny you say that because literally um, I have two boys and uh, the two years apart and both are now college age. And my oldest son, Really well, oldest and and my youngest really didn't get to have a high school experience as you and I knew a high school experience. There weren't proms. There really wasn't a graduation for my oldest. I mean, it was like a virtual situation. Um, in school instruction, pretty much had all ended that last final year in two thousand. It just turned into a mess for him, and so I saw his mentality go from, you know, I know I'm supposed to now be growing up going to college, but I never got that final chapter closed. Mm-hmm. But here here now I'm expected by the world to to be in this new chapter of life, and there's something unresolved. Right. Something mm-hmm. did not finish, and and I see this also occurring. He's he's finally figured out how to close that chapter. We've, we've had a conversation, and I think, honestly, I don't think anything that I said did it. I think just over age took over and weighted that book down for him. But my youngest graduated a year early, which at the time years ago, we thought, well, that's going to be a really good jump start for him with all that's went on. It turned out to be an even harder book to close Mm -hmm. because you still never really got what 
you know, we had read in books or seen on movies or or the what life said that that experience should be, you know. And with your son going, you know, from college, which is a whole nother situation, and then military, which literally last episode we had uh, – we had uh, Todd on the tele- uh, on a show. Another guy named Todd, okay, uh, retired Marine Corps, talking about the books of life, right, and how it's just so finite. Uh, you don't realize that when you, instead of a hardcover book, when you close that book, you know, you know, you're done with the book. Life is a page, so you turn it and you don't realize you just now have closed one whole chapter. You just don't realize it. It, it there's nothing that significant to go. Okay, that portion's over. We're going to the next, or it can happen that fast. But what I wanted to talk about too and bring up, we have a lot of healthcare professionals and a lot of people in industry in our area and different things that pretty much at at one point jobs just shut down for them. They had no means of income. Of course, you know, we all have this debate that, you know, we don't ever get into on the show, but who who had money coming in, who didn't have money coming in, that doesn't matter. It affected everybody. And at the end of it, these feelings started coming of grief mm-hmm. because they necessarily weren't losing family members. They they started to lose things such as, A, their job, which is huge, started to you know lose the ability to help in some format financially. Maybe they were helping their grandchildren. Maybe they were helping um, their parents, you know, vice versa, back and forth. That loss came, some people physically lost homes, physically lost things. So right now I'm feeling, you know, from a lot of listeners and a lot of emails that I've gotten about the show, the reason they really wanted a show on grief, I think it's been a long time since our world has seen or felt as much grief together than we have in a very, very long long time, excuse me, because grief seems to be something that's really set for us for short durations of our life. Absolutely. In fact, you know, when I think about grief, uh, realize with what I do, uh, a lot of what I do before death, dealing with anticipatory grief, mm-hmm. uh, even post-death, sometime with compound issues, mm-hmm. compound grief, complicated grief. Mm-hmm. Um, there is something called uh, disenfranchised grief. Yes, and so when I when I think about how uh, this pandemic has changed the landscape of our work environment, mm-hmm. and sometimes that abrupt ending, like mm-hmm. you say, within healthcare and other jobs, you know, there is the loss of identity. Mm-hmm. And I went through that with a pastorate mm-hmm. on an occasion. Mm-hmm. You know, when there is that sudden, uh, you know, abrupt ending of those relationships, that role and identity, mm-hmm. you know, we struggle. No, uh, yes. You know, we, we struggle with, with uh, our purpose, you know, having that uh, identity of being a pastor, having mm-hmm. that identity of whatever role or capacity that we're given professionally, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and there is a sense of pride. There is a, a sense of purpose that goes along with that. And even in parenting, mm-hmm. you know, when we're able 
you know, to be the individual that swoops in mm-hmm. financially mm-hmm. to help support, you know, individuals who are part of our life that right. are most intimate. So grief, uh, you you definitely have to realize that, that grief, I think, for the average person, um, you know, it has some overreaching tentacles. I, I kind of like for people to, you know, picture an octopus, Yeah, you know. And and I think about uh, the tentacles of an octopus and and how they uh, are are just swirling and mm. reaching out. You know, every facet of our life right. is affected, and it's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Those emotions are overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I understand why through the pandemic, you know, people may say, "Well, you know, I've normally been able to handle." certain crisis Mm -hmm. and it goes back to the compound experience of grief and then the complicated issues that, uh, you know, have to do with areas that, um, you know, aren't normally accustomed to life as we knew it in the past, Right. you know, having to adjust Mm -hmm. and then having the extra pressures and the stressors, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, a, a lot of what, uh, my role as as a chaplain uh, with with grief and death, you know, it it has to do with spiritual distress, mm-hmm. you know, anticipatory grief, mm-hmm. and so those stressors of loss with identity. I mean, you're dealing with compound grief and complicated grief, and then that aspect of disenfranchised grief, uh, which has to do with isolation. Right. You know, separating us sometimes from uh, those that we find identity with, like our colleagues and mm-hmm. our coworkers, mm-hmm. that we draw from their emotional experience and their energy, mm-hmm. their camaraderie, and when you were isolated and separated from that. So mm-hmm. uh, it's no wonder people are overwhelmed. It's no wonder, right? you know, that people are experiencing uh, grief. Uh, well, in, you you put me right there, right at it, yes. uh, to be honest with you. I am one that, obviously, we're sitting on a radio show. Yes. Uh, I draw energy from others. Yes. Um, I draw wisdom. I draw, um, whether it be a laugh that day, something funny somebody did. I was always used to, in my life, the last 20 years, having a fabulous story. You know, if we were to work together, I could have been – you know, coming home going, let me tell you a funny story Todd told me today. But it was a, a huge portion of my life. And then just like everybody else, you know, being that I have a social job to where, you know, I have to go in and out of whether it be hospitals or, or facilities or uh, even businesses. And all of a sudden that stopped. You know, and, and for the right reason, I didn't want to get anybody sick, nor did I didn't want to get sick. You know, I, I wanted to play by the rules. But I saw a change within myself slowly. And it it was a physical, a physical pain almost it became to be because I started missing that energy in, in the the surrounding friends that I had and what I didn't realize was a power group. Like uh, I would always tell tell friends of mine, my friends were my board of directors. They really were who I used daily to help navigate not only the professional side of my world, but my world in general. Just at home or tell stories about the kids or can you believe Noah and Nate did this? 
um, you know, just for somebody else to have understanding, Absolutely. you know. Uh, and I tell you what, the residual of that has done for me. And and I hate this part. And I am trying to work through it, but I can't because it's almost like a block that sits in front of me. And I and we all have a takeaway from it. You know, people get excited about making future plans. A lot of people I know do. They'll come to me and say, We've got a cruise booked a year from now. Can't wait to go. You know something? I have the hardest time booking if it's two weeks from now a hotel or a vacation or anything because I have a a horrible sense that something go wrong something something that will not happen that will not be fulfilled if I if I book it in time and you know a lot of people have said that's just silly you know you've made it to this age I want to age myself but you've made it to this point but that's just a reaction a cause and effect of what the last several years really has done to me because in my line of work, I was also an administrator, an executive director in a healthcare facility. So during this pandemic, I had to live 24-7 in the middle of it. Right. So I could not make long-term plans for anything because tomorrow changed just as the telephone would ring. Everything changed. Rules, regulations by federal government, by state and local governments, they changed every minute of every day. Right. So now, even though I'm not in a facility, you know, I have wonderful guests like yourself and and other people to share good things with people. So we all don't think we're crazy. We all understand that this is something that we're all dealing with. It's still an effect that was left from that. Well, it's kind of like what you're saying. You know, what you're describing to me is the confusion Mm -hmm. with the changes, Mm -hmm. the frustrations. Mm -hmm. You know, the anxieties. Yes. Uh, are you familiar with Mitch Kamati? Uh, I know the name. I yeah. just can't. 20 yeah. Faces of Grief. Um, you know, and I think about how Robin Williams' spouse described his bout with Louis Body mm-hmm. Dementia. Uh, how he slowly lost himself mm-hmm. and attributes that to uh, his suicide experience. And mm-hmm. I, I think over the years that we, we all have you know, something that we're passionate about. And, uh, you know, I, I think about we, we all have experiences where we've watched some film, you know, mm-hmm. of Robin Williams. Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, some of mine, Mork and Mindy. Yeah. You know, Jumanji. Jumanji, yeah. I like uh, was Dr. Buttons. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Buttons. And, uh, you know, I think about Goodwill Hunting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think about Dyer, the character mm-hmm. that um, Robin Williams portrayed in that movie and in that movie he said something to the effect about changing the way uh, we see things and and you know the one thing about this experience of what you're describing it's changing the way that we see Mm -hmm. grief Mm -hmm. it's changing the way that we experience grief Mm -hmm. to the level in which we are you know seeing it Mm-hmm. in individuals' lives. And okay. so for you to be aware, yeah, you know, of the frustrations, the anxieties, mm-hmm. you know, to become come aware that that you're tying that to this overwhelming emotion of grief, mm-hmm. you know, just just amazes me at how many individuals, like you say, call in. We did a a podcast mm-hmm. as well, uh, Facebook Live, a series on grief mm-hmm. and and its relation with um with the pandemic yeah. and, and what individuals were experiencing, especially in the healthcare industry. Absolutely. 
It's um, you know, it's tough. You know, well, and and what I think makes it more tough is, you know, my wife's in the healthcare industry, and and most of the people that I that I love that are my friends are in that industry because we tend to we surround ourselves by people that that were much alike, absolutely in, in our world. And I I think with this, to be honest with you, this was a great outlet for me to help combat what I probably normally would have felt if I wouldn't have had this outlet of radio or a podcast because I still now can come. And unfortunately I can't be with a hundred of my friends at one time, but I know that hopefully if they want to, they can click a button and listen to it. Absolutely. And that makes me feel good. And I get nice, I get nice emails and texts, but I also have found something useful over this period because you know, this has also been quite a year on the personal level that I'm not only experiencing, I know many, many are. You know, we've had many people pass from COVID, but but we can't forget. We've also had losses in our family that are natural losses. You know, um, I've had a mother-in-law pass away this year. Uh, like I said, I've been married to her daughter for 25 years. So I've been in the picture for 30. So that's a natural loss that's still very tough. You still have to deal with on top of everything else and absolutely and in family members getting older and just everything life had before the pandemic still happens on top of the pandemic. So mm-hmm. we can't forget about that. But one thing I've, I've took the word grief and like we were talking about, there's no good definition. I know Webster has one for it and other, and we can, <laughs> yeah. and we can, but I've realized that that sense of self that you spoke of, I always had to find purpose within myself daily, whether it was being a father or a husband or a leader of a team, something to define myself. And I was defining myself through those outlets. Now I've been working really hard on who is Andy if he's not an executive director, if he's not a podcast host, who am I without that? Because I got to figure out what God blessed me with first of me before I was ever, I don't know, gained the knowledge to be able to do those jobs. And that sounds very backwards and confusing, but I realized the things that I did for multiple people, you know, such as be a leader, I'm still that guy. Mm-hmm. I was still blessed with those abilities I just now have a smaller crowd, like my wife mm-hmm. or my kids, but I still can do it there. And then you start to realize, you know what? Maybe I was doing it so well at work. When that went away, I, you know, the people went away that you could see every day to do it. You realize you never spent that much energy at home doing it. So you got a lot of work to do there, Absolutely. you know, uh, or volunteer, you know. Sometimes the purpose I thought was money-based, you know, of giving a certain lifestyle, but I realize it's not that at all. It's more of the feeling that you did something productive for mankind. That's my definition to help me get through it. Does it still not make me, do I still have the complete wake up every morning and jump out of bed and be like, whoo, let's get it. No, I'm, I'm human like everybody else. But does it give me a purpose if I have something preset to do? It may not be my normal job, but it's something that's in my realm of helping people 
or something in my realm of doing something, getting out, and a task being accomplished. Um, I found that helped some. Um, you know, what I hear you you expressing, uh, one thing that I help families and help individuals do, often take them through an exercise of reframing. Mm-hmm. You know, when it comes to accepting yes. the changes. Right. Accepting the shift, you know, right. the paradigm shift right. of your role. Right. You know, as an executive director. Right. You know, reframing those issues mm-hmm. and re- reframing your purpose, mm-hmm. you know, in, in life. So I, I I think about, you know, redefining mm-hmm. uh, and it being a process of what we naturally go through when we begin to accept. Right. You know, it is a part of grief. It is. And so, you know, for for me, as I mentioned, in the loss of an identity and role like yourself, mm-hmm. you know, it is coming to a place where we begin those coping skills of, of reframing our purpose mm-hmm. and, and seeing the value of, of who we are. Mm-hmm. And our role, the significance of of what we provide mm-hmm. uh, with individuals that are closest to our vest, right. none closer than right. that of our spouses That's true. and our children, our families. That's true. And so, you know, it does help. It helps us cope and it helps us accept uh, our place. I, I think about our faith being instrumental. Mm-hmm. You huge. just, I can hear that coming from mm-hmm. you, you know, uh, and, a, and a part of those many faces of grief uh, that uh, this this writer and uh, author uh, describes, you know, one of those, you know, being our faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think about how instrumental our faith is mm-hmm. in allowing that foundation, you know, for our purpose. So well, that for me personally, without faith, there's no purpose. Right. Um, and, and that I've, I've carried with me a long time, many, many years, ever since I was, uh, I would say, an early teen, because no matter how how much crumbles up top, mm-hmm. my foundation's so solid, I can put whatever I want back on that foundation. And that comforts me, knowing that, and deep in the back of my head, you know, we work and work and labor and labor, and things aren't made to last forever, but a foundation is. That, that faith foundation provides... For our sense of purpose, right, but our also our sense of peace, right. And, and, well, that's a good point. I didn't really, yeah, you know, put it there. Our, but our I, sense of peace and contentment is right you there, know, which which allows us to accept those those paradigm shifts. One question I had brought to me, and I, and I said, you know, this would be perfect for you to ask. One thing that parents now are are trying to do. Uh, instead of it being a life learning curve of our own, that a lot of us, you know, have went through learning different stages of grief and different coping mechanisms for different things in our world, as we normally would while aging through life. Children are experiencing higher than normal volumes of grief and every other feeling that really they shouldn't be feeling until, you know, natural portions in their life. And parents are wanting to know how to approach a child and talk to them about these things. Do you just really go and have that honest conversation of what it is, try to build that foundation earlier and make them understand? Or is there another way with children to to ease into it so they can also understand what they're going through 
and maybe what mom and dad's going through. I do think that there are creative ways. Right. You know, there are creative ways of communicating uh, with our children. Mm -hmm. And we do offer support materials for children. Uh, I utilize tactile stimulation. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's some uh, there's some wonderful objects that um, you know we use in helping children see and to feel as as you begin to you know talk about what they're going through and allowing mm-hmm. them to to open up, connecting with that child, and so they're they're certainly uh, experiencing those emotions. And like my son. You know, who was transitioning from from adolescence to early adulthood. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just meeting, uh, you know, everyone where they are. So mm-hmm. our children, but I, I use tactile stimulation, and uh, you can use objective lessons mm-hmm. as well. Um, they're smarter than we think. That's yeah. <laughs> that's that's what I that, absolutely. I, my answer was, and certainly I'm not a grief counselor. I'm not a I, you know I, I don't deal with grief on the daily. I am a nurse. I am a long term healthcare administrator. Right. Um, I do some counseling with with adults. Uh, you know, I'm better. I'm better with uh, with with adults. But sometimes maybe I would be better with children because it seems like sometimes they're more reasonable. I mean, uh, when a child wants something and, and you say no, that's unreasonable. But I I had a parent ask me this this question, real similar to what I just asked you. And I said, uh, I didn't get into the tactile portion, which they'll be listening. So that's that's very good advice. But I did say one thing we don't give our children credit for is how really brilliant they are. Absolutely. Um, we allow them to be children to be creative and inventive and fun and playful. But children really are problem solvers. I've seen experiments in many medical journals where you can put a room full of adults uh, in, a, in a separate room, a room full of children, with a brand-new gadget. And this gadget really has no instruction manual with it, and it's brand-new. So it's not something that you and I have ever used a long time ago in the past, and nor have the children used. And the children are sixty-seven to sixty-seven to seventy percent more likely to accomplish and 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 have this this gadget operating correctly faster than the adult set because they're they're open, more open-minded. So I told this family member, I said, "Look, I think it's important to, you know, I did say get creative. Um, you don't adult words sometimes do not resonate as well Absolutely. with children." But don't lie to the child. Yes, be honest. Have yes, because you can't. It, being honest now will really, really create a trust pattern. Absolutely. As they get older, that's invaluable. Uh, I see that with my youngest that's in college now. Me and him, for some reason, have always had this trust conversation. He didn't like to talk a whole lot. But when he talks to you, you better listen because yeah. it's pretty important, you know. <laughs> but I like that he can call me up and tell me anything. And during what he's experienced, he's called me up and told me his feelings. And he didn't want me to do anything other than listen to it. And I guess that made him feel better because he had an outlet. And a lot of folks don't. So that's why we create these shows, to let people know that there are people like yourself out here in this world that, you know, you deal with this on an everyday level, not that you don't have it yourself, but 
But you can become creative. You have seen ways to help cope uh, with many different things. Uh, but, you know, th- this particular subject is just something that is not new, but it's just feels it feels almost like a um, a cloud around us um, sticky. And this is not going away like a fog. And I really want people to have whether it be coping mechanisms or understandings that this too shall pass. It may you may you may never forget. You know, certain feelings you don't ever forget. That's right. But I feel that you can do things to help offset the feeling that you're currently having. Because nobody wants to become awake useless. Um, I have a friend of mine, literally, and I spoke to their spouse, and they're spending more and more time in bed. And I've learned that when you start to see that happen, that's a pattern because You've lost the ability to find a way to even try to remedy. You you know depression setting in. It, it, it's you it's, know they're isolating themselves, they're right? Shutting down, right? And they're they're trying to hope that laying there, forgetting everything or sleeping through everything, magically they'll wake up and everything's better. And a lot of times they wake up and everything is unfortunately worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's really the job you do. Um, you know, I tip my hat to you because it's just something that, you know, is, has to be done. And I know you guys have been super busy. Um, well, you've been busy yes. for years, but you know, here recently and I, I tell folks all the time, these past two years has totally changed the hours that I put in, Yeah, uh, the amount of stress, yeah. you know, uh, this, just, just this, the, the rate of death. You know, among those who are terminally ill, you know, how this virus has affected, you know, that progression and and the duration of of that terminal illness or chronic illness. It's just, you know, exasperated that and exponentially. Right. So it's it's one of those things that that coworkers sometimes I know we lost a colleague uh, because of them losing both parents mm-hmm. at once, I know that you colleague. know, you know, just I, I love, I love that person. Oh, absolutely, most precious individual. And so, you know, I, I think about how what you're doing with this podcast. You know, as you say, I tip tip my hat. You know, the same thing. Um, you are helping us change the way we see grief. Mm-hmm. Um, help sharpen our understanding, the coping mm-hmm. skills, you know, because as you draw energy and strength mm-hmm. from those who sit across the table with you, mm-hmm. uh, the audience listening as well, learning, uh, I know will help us. And it goes back to what I mentioned. And, and I like to go back to places in my mind uh, where I'm laughing and, and peaceful. Right. As I mentioned, Robin Williams. Yes. And, and, uh, you know, those times when I think about him, there's always a smile on my face. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I do pray like the character that he portrayed. You know, if we change the way we look at things, the things that we look at change. Mm-hmm. And so think about that, you know, the mm-hmm. changing. This should help us change the way we see grief how it affects our lives, how overwhelming it truly is for every age, 
every stage. Yes. And that's, and, and it, you know, that's a wonderful way to look at it because you have to be willing, such a, such as character that he played. I know exactly yep. what you're talking about. You, you have to be willing to embrace change. You accept it as a part of life, just like as we accepted other things being a part of life. Absolutely. One good thing about this podcast that, that a lot of people um, have commented on and, and a lot of people don't realize. And one reason I started it, especially as, as an administrator, and now I'm an account executive at, you know, for select care pharmacy, which is a, uh, a difficult job in its own right. It has, you know, selling medications and, and, and training people to make sure they're given properly and, and regulatory, you know, and that has its own stresses. Oh know? yeah. But a lot of folks through the years, I've always told me, said people have told me, said you know, these folks have been executive directors or CEOs of uh, their organizations, uh, whether it be hospital systems, whether it be medical um, device companies. Um, these are folks in high positions that listen to this podcast, and one thing that goes along with that position, and um, it's actually I, I'm writing a book, and who knows when it's ever going to be done, okay, if, if ever, but it's called the loneliest man. And the reason I even started that book is when you get in a position like that, you have so many people that work with you that come to you for their problems and, you know, they want solutions and answers from you and you're there to do it and you become fairly good at it. I know exactly what you say. Well, at the end of the day, all those same problems that they had you heard a hundred times, you're also human and you're faced with those exact same problems. Absolutely. And the question goes, who do you have? Who can you go to? And on a company situation, a lot of times you are it. So I realize the benefit of me talking about this openly on an open table. As you know, not scripted. We don't have papers in front of us with highlighters of where we were wanted to go with this. To know that you're not the only one feeling that. And the feelings that you're feeling are real and they're okay. But you can reach out to me. You can reach out to Todd. Because we also understand where you're at. Absolutely. You know, that's the benefit of being the child. Being the child, having the parent to go to, that's great. They just don't realize how great that is. We were talking a little bit before you had mentioned, you know, it's wonderful to be able to maybe financially help your children or a family member a little bit. Children appreciate it, but they haven't had that sense of grace that it gives us, what it feels like, because, you know, there's a difference of grace and mercy. Right. You know, and sometimes, you know, we see both and we do things, but we don't share with people either one, our feeling of which one that we did, because it was for us, not anyone else. But when those things are taken from us, we have to find other routes. But when we're at the top and we're answering everybody's questions. Oh, I can remember, you know, that moment after my father passed. Yeah. Those oh. days, years, you know, uh, the reason that I do what I do in this capacity and role uh, with, with, a with being a hospice chaplain mm -hmm. is because of my experience of losing my father. Right. You know, not having that person to go to. Right. You know, just as 
the parent may feel the loss of not being able to help or support their children. You know, children, you know, uh, you know, not being able to go to a parent, even adult children. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think about how when you're in an executive role or a position mm-hmm. of leadership, you know, who do you turn to? Mm-hmm. And so I, I definitely feel well the weight of what you. I'll be honest with you. Experience. Still to this day, we buried my dad on uh, Valentine's Day many years ago. And so February, I always, you know, it. I don't think of, I do think of Valentine's Day special for my wife because that's a great thing in my life. But that, that memory of that day always, you know, holds Valentine's Day for me, you know. But what I do to this day, still, it could be the biggest corporate decision. It could be a $500 million merger. And I ask myself, sometimes out loud, you know, people may think I have lost my mind, but I'll have look at the, I'll look at the whole situation that I've pinned and that I decided to do. And I just say, would my dad be proud of that decision? You know, did I make myself proud in the decision? Was it a good decision? Did it help people? Did it hurt people? You know, go through all the things that my dad would have normally asked me. And if I feel satisfied that he would give me that old pat on the back and say, you a nugget. That's what he used to say. But, you know, he is proud of me. Mm-hmm. I still use him, even though I know, you know, physically he's not with us. He instilled enough of his self in me that I know, I, well, I knew early, by the time I was 20 years old, what decision would please him and what decision would not. And so I've just carried that on into my professional life and, you know, maybe a lot of people don't do that, but for me, that's so important that I do that. That's very much part of how I carry out my profession. Yeah. Uh, and looking over decisions that I make mm-hmm. uh, in the same way. I was blessed mm-hmm. uh, with leadership mm-hmm. in that role yeah. of a father and yeah. uh, that nurturing yeah. that he did with his children. Yeah. I was so instrumental in the decisions that I make right. every day. Right, and I try to share those decisions because I'm very aware, uh, and, and it's a shame, uh, to say the least, but my boys graduated from a high school where there's 5,000 students. So we're not talking about a small-town high school. It was it was big. It's a large high school. And one of my boys, and I can't remember, so I hate to misquote, but I think well over 60-something percent of their friends – uh, that went to that school came from either a, a one person household, one parent household, uh, or were in the system of some sort. Did not really have a, a parental figure there or being raised by maybe grandparents. That's a different generation gap. I mean, things were very odd. And from an early age, both of my boys did come up, and I appreciated this because they noticed it on their own that their mom and I, we're working as a team still together. They may not have always liked the decisions that we made, but we were there. And I think that gave them some sense of comfort. But I always took that benefit of me growing up in in that type of house as well. Um, I don't take it for granted now whatsoever because I come across a lot of people that I can speak to. And yes, they may not have had that. But being that I was lucky enough to have that, it's my duty. It's my job. 
to share some insight of decision-making with a kid or a young man or a young woman that I would have from a two-person household to give them some insight of, well, you know, I've never, I've never saw it presented that way to me. And, you know, I try not to interfere in people's business when they don't want me to interfere in their business, but I do have people that ask me a lot of questions. And I look at it from a two-person household, and sometimes they take the advice and they really come back later. And, you know, I got one example. It makes me feel good to this day. Uh, this per- this person's been married 15 years, and I gave this advice to them 15 years ago. And she said, you know, I'm going to break the trend that I came from. And my kids will never know, you know, running back and forth between mom and dad and, you know, using one to buy their love, using one to, you know, how all that worked. And yes. I would have done it if I was a kid, so I'm not blaming, but but there's certain things that I do look back in life that I know I'm blessed with. I mean, you know, I didn't have gazillions of dollars or anything like that, but, I mean, we, we could find us a fishing pond. We could find us something to spend time with our with our parents to do. So, you know, I'm lucky enough to still have my mom, and – I still use her. Even after our show, I've promised her a, a lunch date. I'm the same. And, yes, uh, I have a sweet mother. And, uh, you know, what's funny is during all this, she watches the news when I try not to because I'm in the news. Literally, we live it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm not yes. going to go home and turn on the TV to see what I already know. Um, But I find her calling me and my brother that I spoke of earlier. Um, He's also retired from the Marine Corps. Um, checking on us. Y'all okay? Y'all need anything? And I realize, you know, it never ends. That she knows that we know grief is different. She knows that she's going through her own situation, and I know that too as a child. So I check on her in a different way now, you know, because her world's changed. What retirement used to mean, she didn't get the benefit of it. You know, cruises canceled, flights canceled. And throughout this time, this is not knocking weeks off. It's knocking years off. And she's not getting any younger. Right. So, you know, there's disappointments there. So from every walk of life, we've had to deal with this thing called grief. But the biggest thing I want people to know, and I think you really helped me put a spotlight on it, is you don't have to walk grief alone. You don't, right. you don't have to even be embarrassed that you feel that way. And you don't have to hide it because there's so many of our colleagues in one form or another throughout that we've met in life, they're dealing with it every day, but they're just not expressing or talking to anybody about it. Absolutely. We have multiple chaplains. Mm-hmm. And I think about how beneficial it is, the uh, chaplain meeting that we engage in once a month. I imagine. You know, to, to be able to lean on one another. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this podcast, certainly now a friendship I have yeah, developed absolutely. with you, Brother Andy, uh, you know, uh, to to know what you're doing mm-hmm. to help shake people's understanding, mm-hmm. to be able to accept and to be able to cope with these changes is a blessing to me. Yeah, I, think, oh, I and, appreciate um, it. I, I, I feel like everybody's worthy. Absolutely. You know, and we just live in a society now that. Things, the important things are put to the right, and we know it's there, but we're so worried about everything else, numbers and, you know, growth 
and when is this going to be lifted, and what is this pandemic doing, and it's real. It's not real. I mean, it, it's such a challenging time. And those are grief expressions. Those are expressions. Those are those are expressions of grief. What you just stated. Yes. Yeah. And you know, I like to make it where whatever side you you're feeling, where whatever pillow you're laying on, I want to talk to you. Absolutely. Because I know at the end of it, letting something off your chest that maybe you're too tough to normally talk no about being Let able to vent. And if, and you know, when it comes down to it and I can't get to somebody, I really can't break that egg. You know what I do? I give them an old Jerry Clower take. <laughs> I promise you. <laughs> I've had, absolutely. It's I, been I, a while since I've heard his name. Let but, me tell you, you know, I'm going to give you a piece of advice. Yes. So this may work for you at your next chaplain meeting. Absolutely. Okay. Cause, Cause we like to laugh on this show yes, too. It's not do. all that serious. There's this good old boy. I, I will say he's up and around Spartanburg County. I won't, I, I won't call him out too bad. But, you know, I've been friends with him a long time. And he just was starting to get irritated. Even his wife ran into my wife and was like, you know, maybe Andy could come by and talk to him because he just always seems to be ill and just aggravated. Now, you know, he never turned into a mean person or anything, but I did. I stopped by one day. I was up in that area and got to talking to him and I even noticed right away this wasn't a self. We were still chit chatting, but everything was just negative. Just horrible. And many, many times during the conversation he said, well, What's the point? What's the point? And I thought to myself, Oh, you know, he is in a situation in his head. He's he's fighting a battle that I don't know really what the full battle is because he's too much of a uh introvert to ever you know, really sit down and even share anything, more or less write it down on a piece of paper. So something told me when I got back in my car, you know, I shook his hand and, and after visiting with him for 30, 45 minutes, you know, and it was still good to see him and everything. And I said, I don't know how to get through to him. I said, I, if I can't do it in person, I know I can't do it on the telephone. And, and all I wanted to see him smile because even if you got nothing, to have somebody have a good, honest, from the belly chuckle. Right. I know as a nurse, systematically does something for you. Oh, absolutely. it helps endorphins. It oh, helps yes. things. Emotionally. Well, of course, our cars now have, you know, I don't even think they make cars with tape players anymore, you know, and, and everything's done electronic and stuff. But I know that this guy out kind of at his barn, he has a good old-fashioned 1980s radio that sits out there, and it has two little tape decks on it. Somehow, and it must have meant to be, that in the trunk of the car, I opened it up and had a few scattered tapes, and one of them was the best of Jerry Clower. And I said, if this don't make him laugh, if he'll listen to it, mm-hmm. then nothing in the world will. Well, I got right back out of the car, Found it in the trunk right there, walked back over to him. He looked at me like I was crazy. What you coming back for? I said, listen. And I know he knows who he is. And I said, listen, I don't know what you're dealing with, but I tell you, I know you're going to be out here in this barn working on your project. Just put this tape in for old time's sake. Got my car, went away. Three, four days later, phone rings and I see his name come up. That was a joy because, you know, I hadn't, this person just doesn't call. And he said, listen, he said, 
you don't know what that tape meant to me. He said, I sat out there for 45 minutes and I had tears coming down my eye. And I don't know if it was half of my problems or half of me laughing at what he said, but either way, he said, it put me back into the reality of who I am and what I need to do to work on myself because things can't be as bad as the Leadbetters running into the church (laughs) and putting it out with no breaks. Right. And I said, you know, sometimes we'll get an answer on how to help somebody when we really go into the situation with no answer other than, but, but, but we got to go to it. We can't. And I'm glad that people have the opportunity to push a button and listen to us talk because they may not know they need these answers. They may not know who Jerry Clower is and they may want to pull it up and look at it and get a good laugh today. That's right. But you know, everybody is worthy regardless of where you're at in the totem pole in life, whether you are, uh, a fresh born baby, whether you're uh, 99. I had somebody tell me one time, you know who wants to live to be 100? Somebody that's 99. That's right. And, and that, that's an important thing to remember. And I want, you know, anybody that, that is God put on this earth is worthy. And if we can find a way to help those people at the very top because they feel like they're the loneliest person on earth or somebody at the lowest that feels like nobody cares for them whatsoever, and what are these feelings? And and why am I having to go through this? They have an outlet. And they have an honest outlet where this table has had many conversations. And, you know, they're not all happy and chipper. Some of them are hilarious, you right. know. But at the same time, it's good to know that there's people like that yourself. Will, there's people like Ren Hospice that will, you know, give me the opportunity to come in and because definitely you know, select care pharmacy you because, tylenol. you know, I've not right. tried to sell you a Tylenol on, on, on here. This is more for all of us in the industry because I promise you, if we're not as all we as healthy as we can be cognitively, we can't help others and then we won't sell any Tylenol. I mean, that's just a matter of fact. So I have made it my mission to find a way that I can reach mass, ma- reach mass and people and deal with their problems head on. I don't, claim, I don't claim to be their psychiatrist. I don't com- claim to be their doctor. At the end of this episode, after it's all produced and wonderfully done, there's a disclaimer on there that says, hey, you know, contact your physician for more medical information. But sometimes just hearing things on the show at That's least right. get them started to have yeah. that conversation. And I would be happy to go back and say, I know you know, in the last five years, and I would be happy to go back and say, I know in the last five years, antidepressants have went up 61%. Wow. I get to see the medical numbers on that side. And I get to I'd see like, the medical numbers on that side. And you know what? I'd be like, you know, I wish in the next five years it would go down. You know, my boss can go, well, you know, we but sell those. I understand. But I also would like to see it go down 61. You know, I think with time. openly about it. And us and talking openly about it and, and not being fearful of having a discussion. And I, having I, I, a discussion. And I you know, okay I, I don't know cry. that it's not it okay is. for a grown man uh, to cry. That's it is. Uh, uh, that's why you have tears. Somebody else will. Uh, if you don't use uh, them, somebody else will. That's the way I look at it. And, you know, when there's a drought, we need the lakes to be filled up. And That's exactly right. I always encourage our people, you know, if you have if you have 100 tears to shed, you know, don't mm-hmm. shed 99. Don't shed 99. Let them all go. Yep. Don't shed 99. Let them all go. Be because you're going to be needed. It could be a minute after that. Somebody tugging on your shirt sleeve. Absolutely. I think about the psalmist. You know, and the psalmist in that, 
that God bottles our tears. He does. You know, that he keeps he them. He he knows. Mm-hmm. And he understands. Mm-hmm. He's available. And I think about how available my father made himself mm-hmm. to where there was that, that mm-hmm. free space, free of judgment, mm-hmm. you know, just, just to talk, mm-hmm. just to express mm-hmm. what you're going through. That's right. And so this is a wonderful way. It is. It is. Yeah, it's it's a non judgment table. Yeah. You know, I can't being that I can't have my father here, you can't have your father here. But at the same time, we know this is exactly how they would want us to talk. Mm-hmm. And we can walk away from this show. We can walk away from this experience. And I hope a lot of times that our that our uh listeners walk away with going, you know, I didn't look at it that way or I didn't see it that way or I just didn't you know, I've never had this conversation yet with my staff, and I need to have a conversation like this with my staff that, hey, I'm open. The door is open for me, and I, hopefully your door is open, uh, or the door is open for you. Hopefully the door is open for me as well because I'm also human, and, you know, I'm going to make mistakes, and you may see changes in me, and if you do, hey, help me with those. Let me know because sometimes we don't see the changes immediately. You know, many little things, and, and I believe as a community, of people, whether it be grief, whether it be depression, whether it be dealing with all the above, with the loss of loved ones, uh, premature losses that we feel, yes, whatever it may be, I think as a community, we can get through it because that's how we built what we have as a community. I think if we divide and we don't work together, I think we crumble. And so it's important for me for everybody to come to the table with whatever idea, whatever thoughts you have to help out. Bring them to the table. Let's talk about it. Absolutely. Because it works. At the end of the day, it works. I know I've taken up your time. And, uh, Todd, I I, I greatly appreciate it. And I'm going to put your information up on the podcast. If anybody wants to get a hold of Pastor Johnson, you certainly can reach out. His information will be available. As always, if you have questions about the show, uh, you want to know more about what we were talking about or, or, or even to get with Pastor Johnson on some more of his ideas that he was talking about to get more in detail. I'm always available. Because, you know, within an hour, we can give you generic, big spectrum looks at things. But, you know, sometimes people want to kind of dig a little deeper in it, and, and, and we encourage that. Or if you have an idea or a topic you want to know about or you're feeling for another show, Please feel free to reach out to me as always. It's Andy at SelectCareRx.com, or you can always call me directly at 864-934-8950. Hope this show has helped everybody today. I really do appreciate you very much coming and being our guest. Thank you for having me, Andy. Um, And hopefully um, we'll have shows here in the future uh, that we can follow up on some of the things that we talked about and maybe nail into them a little harder. Um, you know, I would love that. And, and go deeper for folks because I'm Absolutely. sure they'll reach out. But as always, guys, uh, thank you for listening and thank you for the support of Select Care Pharmacy and everybody involved. Until next episode, God bless. Thank you for listening to We Think, We Talk. All information discussed on this show is for entertainment purposes only. Please contact your medical or healthcare professional for more medical advice.